This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens, and this week we wanted to bring you something a little bit different. With the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast now entering its fifth week, we decided we should tell you our stories. Throughout history, God has been at work redeeming humanity. So really, your story, my story, and the story of everyone who's ever lived are all a part of God's grand story of redemption. After we take a look at God's grand narrative, Chris and I will take turns sharing our own stories and a few of the spiritual disciplines and tips we've picked up along the way that have been helpful for us in our journeys to become more like Jesus. So thanks for joining us this week on the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. We hope our stories are an encouragement to you as you continue your own journey in growing daily to become more like Jesus. If you had to tell somebody what makes a good story a good story, what would it be? Everybody loves a good story. Think about when you're just hanging out with your friends and somebody begins to simply share how their day went. What are the things that they include or don't include in that story? The way they begin to recount those events determines whether or not you're going to pay attention, whether you're going to laugh, whether you're going to cry with them, or whether you're just going to turn away and ignore them because they're doing that thing that they always do, and it's just kind of boring, right? We all have that one guy. For me, that's Josh. No, I'm just playing. Ironically, for me, that's Chris. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But one of the things that makes a good story is it has to have stakes. There has to be something on the line, something that pulls you in. And the best example of this is uh, Aquaman. Terrible movie. (laughs) Terrible movie, technically. But I enjoyed it (laughs) because I felt there was at least a sense of adventure. You've got to know that there's a twist coming up at the end, and you don't really know how that twist is going to come out. Is this going to be a good ending or a bad ending? Is it going to be funny or is it going to be sad? Yeah, I think stories really need to have some kind of a risk involved. Like, There's really no adventure without a risk of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the lives that we live sometimes don't have as much risk. And so we look to stories to feed that craving. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like for me, honestly, uh, one of my favorite stories is the the Chronicles of Narnia series. And there are always risks. There's always something threatening the the land of Narnia. There's always something threatening Aslan's kingdom. That's what makes it cool. That's what makes me want to buy into it because there's, there's an unknown there. There's a mystery there. And I think a lot of that comes from this idea of... Uh, protagonists and antagonists. Good guys and bad. Good guys and bad guys. And you have the heroes, you have the villains. The villains are trying to stop the heroes, and the heroes are trying to conquer the villains and save the day. And one of the reasons story is so powerful for us is because even though it's subconscious, we all live our lives through a narrative lens. That's why we tell stories the way that we do. We're sort of hardwired that way. Our brains are hardwired that way. In fact, studies have even shown that when you're just telling a story to another person, or if you're speaking on stage and you're speaking to an audience, that your audience's brainwaves literally 
become in sync with the storytellers, and if you're the one that's telling that story. So story can be very, very powerful for influencing others and communicating a certain message. Now, because we live life as first-person characters in our own stories, we have a tendency to look at our lives as if we're the main characters. We think we're Mario in the video games or Frodo in The Lord of the Rings or Truman in The Truman Show. Truman in The Truman Show. That's right. And for most of our lives, that's true. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when we encounter scripture, it can become a little messy because when we hear the world's narratives out there, which is very much enforcing this idea that we are the main characters of our own lives, we control and we create our own destinies, when we come to Scripture with that understanding, things don't quite line up. Now, you can read into Scripture that way, and a lot of people have done that, um, but I think it has very detrimental consequences in, in how you're taking it away. And one of the things Josh likes to bring up is how when you read the story of Scripture, it actually pulls you out of yourself so that you stop looking at yourself as the main character, and you actually realize that you might be the villain. One of the things that I really like to talk about is kind of the primary uh, problem that all humans face is that we want to be our own gods. We want to rule our own existences. And in reality, that causes us problems because we're not very good at it. In fact, we're terrible at it. For me personally, the, the journey to be a part of a, a story that's bigger than me has been one where I have to learn that I am most often the antagonist, the bad guy in my story. And Jesus is the, the hero who comes in to save the day. Because we all have an, a tendency to look at ourselves as inherently good. Like, our perspective is the right perspective. Who we are is the right person. Mm -hmm. It's just what we naturally want to do. And so if you think of yourself as being part of a story, you're obviously going to be the good guy, right? Unless you have some weird sociopathic tendencies that make you want to be the bad guy all the time, knowing that you're the bad guy. And I don't know. Then we get into questions yeah. of what's good and bad and stuff like that. But the point being that you typically want to look at yourself as being the, the focus of the story in such a way that what you do is correct. Mm -hmm. You're justified, you're right in what you do. Yeah, you wouldn't do it if you didn't have that innate, most of the time, subconscious thought. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned, when we come to Scripture, though, we have problems with that, because Scripture tells us that we are fallen, we are bad, we are wicked, and that we need God to save us, to rescue us. So what do we do with that? Because at that point, our narrative starts to collide with Scripture's narrative, and we can't really be the, the heroes in our own story if, when we look to Jesus, we see how bad we are. Mm -hmm. We see that conflict come into focus when we look at Scripture, because Jesus is so good, and we're so fallen. And really, at that point, we have to be the villains in our own story, because... Like C.S. Lewis says, we're the rebels who are, who are being called to lay down our arms and surrender and repent and come back to God. I remember when I first encountered this problem 
and trying to understand the story of Jesus as it relates to our stories. And it actually came as a marketing problem, to be honest, because in good marketing, you want to make your customer the hero. You don't want to make yourself the hero, right? So I I like some of this marketing theory because I thought it held a lot of potential for sharing the gospel. And actually, one of our good friends, uh, and he's been a guest on the podcast, Chase Replogle, kind of pushed back on this idea a little bit when we got to talking about it uh, one day at lunch. But so I wanted to stand up and I wanted to somehow make the audience the hero of the story, or at least that's what the marketing says that you should do, right? So I'm not the one that's going to sit here and save you with the gospel message, which some preachers do preach like. Yeah. Um, so I knew in some ways, like, that's, good way, that's a good way to get somebody to buy into what you're selling. On the other hand, I recognized that Jesus is the hero of the story. He, he's it. He's the meta-narrative. So I didn't know how to sell somebody on the idea that they're the hero whilst trying to convince them that they're not the hero. And that's why I really like that you pointed out that we are really the antagonist. Because in, in some weird way, it does actually give us a significant role in the story, right? I mean, we, we definitely don't want to be a side character, right. <laughs> which is kind of what you seem to be relegated to. But when you recognize that you're actually the antagonist, your place in the story of Scripture and the meta narrative of creation begins to take really concrete shape. Because now you recognize that it's not, I'm just sort of a, a passive bystander watching God do these things. No, 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 no. He is actively inviting us into his story. But there's this little tiny thing that's getting in our way. Just like every great movie, just like every great story you've ever heard has that one little obstacle that gets in the way. The stakes are huge, right? Life or death. It's literally on the line here. But there's one thing that gets in the way, and in this story, it happens to be you. Your own ego, your own pride, your own selfishness, your own desires to have your own way. Your desire to be God. To step up and to say, I should really be the main character here. It's not God who's the main character, it should be me. One of the best movies that I think illustrates this is the movie uh, Megamind, <laughs> when the villain, right, he, he's uh, <laughs> it's played by uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. And, you know, he recognized, he's embraced his identity as the bad guy, and so he's constantly trying to destroy um, Awesome Man or whatever his name is, right? And so Awesome Man kind of gets tired of playing the game, so he leaves. Well, then... Megamind gets everything that he's ever wanted, right? He's, he's finally it. He can rule the city and, and do whatever he wants to do. But he finds a life of absolute meaninglessness in that. And so where it's like we sort of have a story that starts out in one way, it quickly shifts. And his struggle ends up becoming internal. He has to struggle with his own sense of evilness, right? <laughs> so much so that he goes out of his way to create a, another quasi-good guy that he can battle with just to sort of create meaning in our lives. Well, that's really what 
sin does in our own lives, right, is it creates this taste for meaninglessness in our lives, where we constantly want to rule everything, we constantly want to get our way, but what we do, it just turns to ash in our hands. It feels really good for a moment. There's victory. Yes, I got to do that. But it quickly is fleeting and ultimately is destructive towards our own lives and the lives of those around us. And so this is what Christ's person does in our stories, is he comes in and he says, look, I know that's what you want to do, right? It, it, it seems like a good idea, but you don't know what's good for bad, in the words of Megamind. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think one of the things we really forget a lot is that uh, God created the entire world, everything that's in it, created all of us for his glory. God created us because he wanted to show how awesome he is, which sounds a little egotistical, but if you truly are the greatest being and you have a character that says that is nothing but love and grace and mercy and justice, that is the thing that defines what love and justice and mercy actually are, sharing that with created beings is awesome. Well, it's not, it's not much different. It is in the scope and scale, but it's not much different from why parents want to have children, right? You don't want to just create these little beings to do whatever you want them to do and to, you know, like bow down and worship you. That's not what it is. You genuinely desire them because they'll bring you great pleasure, but you get the greatest pleasure out of seeing their joy and happiness in life. You want to see them grow up and enjoy every moment and become more mature as they grow and are able to tackle new and greater problems. As a parent, there's incredible joy and satisfaction out of that. And I like to imagine that that's a little bit of how God sees us and why he wanted to create beings and create a world in which he could share himself with. And it's within this story that Christian spiritual formation takes place. So we cannot grow in Christ, which I know we throw that term around a lot, and it can become quite nebulous if we don't understand the context in which we're going to be growing. But so to set that in the story, to set the stakes in front of us, opens up the opportunity for us to begin to walk with Christ and to be able to grow in our relationship with him. Because really what growing in relationship with him is the ultimate goal, the ultimate aim, but that has a effect. It has an effect on us, which is we begin to become more like him. And so we can talk about growing in Christ I think really in two ways. But really, they should be conflated because they feed into each other. And that is, we grow in our relationship with Him, much as we grow in any relationship with our friends or family. We want to genuinely get to know them more. But as we get to know someone more, we tend to begin to take on the same sort of mannerisms that they do, the same sort of thought processes that they do. And we we begin to feed off of each other. And that's what our ultimate goal is with our relationship with Christ, is to become more like him. That defines 
our being as disciples. We are his followers to learn how to live the life that he lived, that he modeled before us. And so, understanding the Christian story helps us recognize the roadblocks that are there. It allows us to ask forgiveness for the antagonistic role that we have played, and that we continue to play, and it allows us to accept the overwhelming, incredible grace and mercy that He shows us, even though we continue to sin, and even though we continue to make mistakes. We don't live this life perfectly, but we have a hero in the person of Jesus who comes to us, the antagonist, not to defeat us, not to blow up the Death Star, not to kill us, but to lay his life down so that we might have life. He doesn't want to see us defeated. He wants to see us win. Now that, to me, is a story worth telling. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free over at dailygrowthdiscipleship.com, or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Then come back and check out the next chapter in our conversation tomorrow, where I get to tell some of my own story about how I moved from perfectionism to rest in God. Thank you.